Okay, okay, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Couch with Rob Fields. I'm your host, Rob Fields, and today is a special one. It's a special one because, first of all, these this these guys are the first guests for season two. All right, and we're really excited for season two. And for those that don't know, when guests comes on my show, we have to lay out the red carpet for them. Okay. All right. So this is this is what's happening today. So first of all, I'm I'm so thankful to be able to talk to people who are innovators. I'm happy to be able to talk to people who are risk takers. I'm happy that I get to talk to people who understand the meaning of passion and how valuable it is in our lives. Today, I'm talking to two smart individuals, two individuals that took on took life head on and they came together like the Wonder Twins. <laughs> and they created something that is fresh, something that is important and vital for people like myself, content creators. Ladies and gentlemen, give big hand claps to the good brothers from Tip Snaps. Vic Bodie and Lionel Duje. Yeah. What's up, guys? How y'all doing today, man? Good, good. Thank you. Well, awesome. That's awesome. That's probably the best intro I think I've ever got. So thank you, Rob. That's what I'm talking about, man. I'm at like 700 right now. So yeah, you know, I, I, I try to work on the introductions. But yeah, guys, thanks for coming, man. And, uh, you know, I, I try to make the introductions uh, quality because you know it's uh you gotta you gotta lay out the red carpet for your people you know all right yeah so it's uh it's 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 a it's a saturday and i'm i'm thankful that you guys are taking some time out to just kick it with me man like it's you know this is this is important you guys are doing some important work and i can't wait to get into this episode thank you yeah we were excited to talk to you we're excited to chop it up tell our story and you know debated a bit so yeah thank you yeah man this has been in the works for a while so we started the correspondence in the summertime and uh you know you know how the summer goes man it's it's a little crazy and then we finally got an opportunity to recalibrate and get this done all right guys so listen when i bring guests onto the show i love a good story all right we want to i love to hear people's story we're going to get to tip snaps without a doubt but I like to start from the beginning. Is that cool with you guys? Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. Okay. So tell me about the young version of yourselves. And Vic, you could, you could start it off. The young version of myself. How, how young? I guess that's the question. Take it to the top. Young, young uh, Vic. Young Vic. Young, that's a good question, man. It's not, it's not, it's not a typical question we get on podcast that's for sure that's a, that's real deep um young vic was just uh you know i'm from virginia so um born and raised my you know my mom and dad uh my dad had a military background uh he's in vietnam too up too down you know yep yep and so you know i grew up with you know a lot of you know a lot of structure a lot of love a lot of support um you know we kind of taught from the very beginning you know particularly my dad was really big on, um, you know, being a man of your word. Um, if you start something, finish it. 
you know, kind of like that perseverance, you know, old black man South, like, you know, you're going to work hard. And you, and it's just, just all I knew, you know? So coming up, I guess that was the infrastructure from which I, you know, I came. It's just like, you know, you work hard, you don't complain, you don't make, you know, you don't make excuses. You know, if you say you're going to do something, you do it and you never quit. And so that's kind of the framework of kind of how, how I became who I am. Um, and, and just how I, who, who I am today, right, and how I kind of try to raise my kids the same way, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, so that's that's really me in, in in essence, and I just that was my framework from from birth till till now, and you know that's kind of what's pushed me in certain directions is just kind of that 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 drive that kind of persevere, never quit, just kind of keep 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 it moving. Yeah. Okay. So so Lionel, you up, man? So tell me about young lion yeah you know i think that's why vic and i we kind of uh we definitely vibe in a lot of different you know you know areas of life but definitely from business and kind of work ethic is because you know i feel like we have similar backgrounds so my family is from from haiti as said before we started um both my parents are from haiti i was actually i was raised in southern california so um but but not like the sunny, so did you, like did beach. your parents come? Yeah. Excuse me. Did your parents come directly from Haiti to Cali? No. Yeah. No. No Haitians ever do that. Haitians go two places. Right. Go, that's what they go to Florida or New York, and so, well, <laughs> or or they go to Montreal. So my mom was in Montreal. My dad was in New York. They, you know, they met. They actually met in Haiti. Funny enough, but um, eventually okay. they found their way to California, and that's that's where my sister and I were raised. But, um. Yeah, like in terms of, you know, and it wasn't like I say SoCal, I say Southern California, people are like, oh, wow, it's like you're in the beach and you surf and stuff. It's like, dude, I was <laughs> two or three hours away from the beach. I was in the Inland Empire. I was in San Bernardino, California, and just a bunch of violence and, and just ghetto-ness around. But it, at the same time, I there was a, you know, it was, um, it was a great upbringing because, you know, it's all about like, it doesn't matter like, where you're from, it's about like who you're around and, and, and mm-hmm. the values that are instilled in you. So like very similar to Vic, my dad was all about hard work and he was a mechanic. Um, but like instilling at the importance of education, hard work, kind of never settling, you know, rising to the occasion. He used to always tell me that like during my, like the middle of my soccer, like halftime for soccer, he'd be like, don't forget when Jordan rise to the occasion, you got to rise to the occasion, go, go capture it. So, so that type of stuff. Pops. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so the um, the inspiration and the drive was definitely instilled by by both of our fathers. But at the same time, we we had the love and the nurturing from our mom. So, so yeah, we um, and and just to kind of tie it all together, the way we met was our wives are first cousins. So, um, Get out of here. Yeah. So, so our wives are. Oh are, man. <laughs> yeah, our wives are. Their families are also from the Caribbean, from Guyana, and. Um, Vic and I have known each other for over a decade. So we've always, we've built a nice friendship, but always kind of vibed on the business side. And that's kind of how it, how it came together for Tip Snaps. Oh man, that's dope, man. So, yeah. so your kids are cousins. Like... Kids, kids are first cousins, first cousins. Yeah. yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. And, our, and our wives seem to be twins. So <laughs> okay. we, we'll talk about right. that later, but they're, they're twins on all levels. So we have similar, yeah. similar stories on that end. So. Okay, okay, I get that. Yeah, yeah, right, that's yeah. interesting, man. But I mean, the the thing is, guys, like, um, 
I, I think I deal with a lot of young kids now because I'm I'm on the coaching side of things. And what what I found was a lot of the kids they don't get that 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 it factor that you guys talked about to have parents that really gave they cared. Yeah. And they they weren't trying to be your friend. They were trying to create a foundation for you. And sometimes they had to be hard. But at the end of the day, those values, they tend to last a lot longer than just giving a kid everything that they want. You know, the values, those tough core values that they instilled in you, they're they're important. And uh I mean, we'll we'll get into what you guys are doing, but uh, you know, I I I think your parents are they they're probably proud of you. I mean, I, I I can make that assumption, right? Yeah, yeah. Lionel's mom be hitting us up on IG. All all of our IG messages, she's sending loves and hearts and oh. dollar signs and every emoji you can think. She's she's hyped. She's hyped. So yeah, go we got a lot. Yeah, of go ahead. Of <laughs> go ahead. My mama mom. Love. I don't even think my mom knows knows what we do. I don't even think my mom <laughs> even understands. I tried to explain it to her like five times. She I don't even think she, she gets it. So she's just like, you know, she's like, you know, how's the business going? I'm like, it's going good, mom. And that's that's as far as it as as far as we, we say she she didn't she didn't even get it. Just it sounds like something to her, but she's like, I don't know. So but uh Yeah, right, right, cool, right. Man. Always got the support. That's what it means. That's, that's all it's about, is just that kind of unwavering support kind of regardless. That's right. Yeah, so, 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 guys, we're gonna stay in your early years because, like I said, to to get to where you are, you have to know where you come from, right? So, what? Tell me about some of the things that interest you guys coming up. Tell me, tell me about the things that you said to yourself, like, hmm, maybe I'll play this sport, or maybe I want to be an astronaut. Tell me about some of the things that you guys were interested in coming up. I mean, I'll go. I was I was in the sports. I played basketball growing up. Played football in high school. That sports is really what kind of framed everything for me. I was, I'm in the jo- I'm Jordan generation, so I was a big yeah. Bulls fan, big MJ fan. That was it. Like to me, didn't get no better. Like that was it. So that that's my frame of reference is sports. But then my my frame of reference was a little bit different because I had a I had a, my dad was just like it was always you know, preached to me, like, almost like college is not, you know, you're going to college. Like, it's not, it's not even like an option or a choice. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you, you'd hear kids saying, you know, graduate from high school. Yeah, I graduated from high school. My parents are high. I was like, my parents aren't going to give me anything for graduating. It's expected that you graduate from high school. Like, that's, that's not even here, here nor there. So, like, you know, so, so coming up, that, that was just my drive. It wasn't like we didn't, I can't even describe it. it was like it was like sports and homework like that was it and you know you had your right. weekends and it was church so it was just like sports homework right. and you you know your, your church and you know my, we went to church I mean my parents aren't big necessarily bible thumpers but we went to church all the time and um so that was my you know frame of references you know watching sports I'm, I'm a Washington was the Redskins I'm a Washington Commanders fan so that's the growing up. That was it. Was, you can watch the Bulls during the week. How are you dealing with the switch, bro? How are you dealing oh, with this commander stuff? <laughs> we, we had to. We, we had to. We had to get out of that. That horrible. That 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 name. The, the, the karma behind that name. I think it just. It, just, it was, right. wasn't right, good, right, man. Right, it's right, just. Right. It's, it's. You know. That's another subject, but it, it's good to kind of have a transition 
in a positive direction where, you know, you're kind of doing things that were in the past that we recognize now aren't, aren't helpful or, or more so hurt, yeah. hurtful. So making that change, is t- it, it was difficult for a lot of fans, but it was time and I'm glad they, they did it. And I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the term commanders, but it, it, it's growing on me and, it, and, it, and it'll be fine. It's, it's, it's really about that. But going, going back, it's like, you know, that was, that was my framework. So, so that like everything that this is like how I grew up. I was I was interested in so but it was always backdrop of sports but you got your homework so I don't really care about your sports you got to do the homework so that's just like kind of how I don't really even know how else to sum it up but that's just how I grew up right Lionel what about you like what what were some of the things that interest you coming up in in California yeah so it's kind of similar to Vic as well in terms of you know I played soccer um, growing up and in SoCal, there's like a good um, Mexican population in like soccer. So if, in Haiti, right. soccer is a sport, you know. Um, but you know, um, and and for Mexican, soccer is a sport as well. So it's like a good kind of population there. So I was I was pretty decent, and I um, but but similar to Vic, it was like you're gonna do excellent at school. You're gonna do good at school. I I remember like. Um, my dad had this thing called five words and I think I was like, I don't even know if I was in first grade yet, or maybe I was in first or second grade, but like every summer when we were home, he'd like, he'd, he'd say, you're going to go in the dictionary and learn five words, learn how to spell it and learn the the definition. When I get home from work, you're going to recite it to me. And it was like, it was like the, it was like the worst. You're on summer break. You just want to play, you know, <laughs> Super Mario and you just want to go ride your bike. You ain't trying to read yeah. the dictionary and learn five words and write it down. And then he's coming home. So like, you better learn it because it's not sweet if, you know, if you don't, it's, right. it's like, you're, you're in trouble. And um, so there's a lot of discipline, but yeah, I think so like, and, and definitely with, with sports as well, you get, you get a lot of good structure and discipline, but in terms of like how it kind of, how did that lead into, um, you know, my career and like, you, you know, choice in terms of like your, your major in school and stuff. So it's like, you know, I was, I was good at math. It's always like, Oh, he's good at math. He's really good at math. He's, he's going to be a scientist or an engineer. And um, mm-hmm. you're kind of told that almost, and, and we'll get into that more, but uh, you know, um, and, and I met a, I met a friend, which wasn't common. Cause like a lot of my peers, once I got to, I went to Pitt for undergrad, once I got to Pitt and I was in the computer engineering program, a lot of the peers, it was a small program, it's like 20 people. These kids grew up, their dads worked at IBM. They're, you know, they worked at Dell. They were programmers. Their, their, their forefathers were programmers. They were like, I, this is the first time I even heard a program. I don't know what, what does that mean? Especially right. now it's a very common, you know, because it's a great career path you know, people are driving their kids towards programming and coding. But back in 2002, it wasn't as, it wasn't as um, obvious. And so anyways, um, you know, I met a, I met a guy in high school who's just building computers. And I just thought that was cool. I just thought it was cool that this cat was going to Fry's, which is like kind of like our, you know, our, our electronic store. And he's buying like parts and putting it together and playing games. And I was like, that's kind of cool show me how to do that Man. stuff. And he was doing all this other kind of ratchet stuff. He was just like hacking people's computers and stuff like that. And I was, it was kind of funny. Okay. Meanwhile, I'm still playing soccer. I'm still a, a good soccer player, but like this, this guy kind of got me interested in computers. And so, um, anyways, I think, I think for me, what I really found valuable 
was having that diverse set of experiences. And I think that's what gives Vic and I an advantage in this game is because a lot of our peers, they kind of come from a very, they kind of come from one place and they're all from that one place. But we come from different places, you know, we, we, and we have kind of different experiences. And at the end of the day, technology is for everybody. And so you have to build technology for the whole world, not just for a subset of people. And so that's, that's how we find our success. We know what the people want because we're kind of from the same places. So, um, yeah. Right. So, I mean, so you were talking about a little bit about where you grew up in California, right? Was it difficult for you? Cause we know about the, the impact of gangbanging out in California. Of course, every city, state, they have their thing, right? It's, it's the same for you, Vic, in Virginia. There's a certain element of the streets that was present. It didn't matter what school you went to. But being from California, did you have to avoid this or that? Or did was your school pretty much a new, neutral ground in California where you ain't really have to deal with all of that? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, so... Yes. The short answer is yes. So, so San Bernardino County is like either two or three in terms of like, and I'm not like, it's always kind of like a, like a badge of kind of like you're tough, but I'm not trying to do that. Like I was never right. in gangs. I remember the first time um, I got, like I got my new bike and I wanted to leave our street and my mom's like, nah, but I was getting older. I was like 12 maybe. And my mom's, my dad's like, I think my dad's like, let him go, let him go. And my mom, my mom literally got in her car and followed me. And so I didn't know she was following me. So like, let's say whatever, like a few, a few down the road, some kids, like, and it was a nice bike. It was, it was like one of these BMX bikes. And like three dudes were like, yo, yo, yo. And they came kind of running after me. My mom rolled up in the car um, and I was gone. You know, I was taken off, but they were, she rolled up in the car and was like, what are you guys doing? And they, of course they left because we're like 12, but at the same time, they're ready to jack my bike. Um, and you know, going like in elementary school, where, where are you from? What, you know, what do you, what do you rep and stuff like that? And it's like, yo, no, I'm going home. <laughs> I don't, and like you, I'm repping the soccer team. Yeah. Bro. Nah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> you know, you just, so, so yeah, you could kind of, but at the same time, there was a lot of normalcy too, right? It's always like, that's a subset and you got to be careful. You got to be aware and stuff, but you don't have to take part of that. And also I think I was in an interesting area where there was a lot of good families and good kids too. So like you could gravitate towards that. So it was kind of a choice. Okay. You had a choice to kind of be stupid or you had a choice and not stupid. A lot of the times it's not stupid. It's just your circumstance. And, but again, I just think I was lucky. I was lucky. I had good mm -hmm. parents who were like, you're coming home at this time. You're doing your homework as Vic said. So it wasn't unavoidable. I wasn't dodging gunshots or bullets every day, but if you wanted to take part of that stuff, you definitely could. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's, I mean, like I said, it, it's that way, especially in our communities, right? I, I mean, it's, it's probably for everyone's community, communities, but I can only talk about what I grew up in. It was there, you know, and we had to have, you know, that saying, uh, it takes a, a village to raise a child. It had to be a village approach to, you know, our, our upbringing. And I mean, it, it worked because yeah. it was a situation where if, if I go out, and then one of my mom's friends or classmates see me acting up in the street, guess what? They go into the yellow pages. They don't have the number. 
And if they don't have the yellow pages, then they call them cousin who this and auntie who that. And the word is going to get back within an hour. You know, so, you know, if, if the word gets back that you are in the streets acting up, there's a price to pay. That's yeah. how we grew up. And I mean, it's important because it it's it's easy to get into mess. Yeah. It's, it's easy, especially, you know, when there's money involved and, you know, for us being men, there's women involved, you know, all that type of stuff. It's it's easy. All right, guys. So let, let's let's pivot to this this. So we're 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 getting to college, right? At what point in your lump in your young lives did it start to make sense? Where you said, "Okay, I want to go to this college. I want to do this when I get to college." At what point did it start to make sense? And you know where did it go from from that point of rec- recognizing okay this is what i want to do where, where, you know how how did that work for you guys speak for myself um again going back like it wasn't it wasn't even a question of you're going you going to college in my house like mm-hmm. that's you're going to college it's just a matter of where you're going right and like right and so coming coming up you know i'm in high school um playing sports I'm doing well academically. I'm, and I'll, I tell people all the time, I'm not the smartest guy. I never have been. People always kind of said that about me, um, particularly my homies at high school. Like, man, you're just smart. I'm like, nah, I just kind of do my homework. And that's really why I'm passing. It's like I'm doing my homework and I'm just listening to the teacher. And I'm not really getting in any trouble. It ain't that I'm smarter than you or smarter than anybody else. It's just I'm just kind of doing what I'm supposed to do and doing what I'm told to told to do by my, you know, my football coach was real hardcore, you know, from Northwest Roanoke. So I went to Fleming. I had a football coach that just passed. His name was George Killer Miller. He didn't play. He said, son, you either going to hell or jail, son, hell or jail. That was his slogan. So he was just like yep. trying okay. to get these kids to make really good decisions. So I had that at, all day at school and at football practice. And I come home to my dad who was giving me the same thing and had been giving me the same thing all my life. So to me, I was going to college. It's just a matter of where. And for, for me, my dad went to, uh, he went to Norfolk State in Virginia because he's from, he's from the 757. He's from Tidewater area of Virginia, and that's where all my family's from. So that's where he and all my family members, they went to Norfolk State. Um, however, I, I, was, I, was getting, I was having an interest in Hampton, and I, I knew I wanted to go to HBCU. I grew up in the HBCU culture, and I knew what HBCUs were about. So let me be real honest with you. I was in school. I think I was in, I was in high school. I was a senior, and I was trying to make my final decision of where I want to go. And I took a I took a, a trip. It was you know they do those like freshman pre pre freshman kind of trips that you can make a decision. It's like a I forget like a what they call it. It's a special day. But at Hampton Hampton, if people don't know, it's like right on the water. The campus is like right on the water. It's like it's beautiful. This was literally the most beautiful day you could possibly have for like a college day. Where all the guests are there. I mean, the sun is beautiful. It's women, girls everywhere. And you're just like, oh, I'm coming here. It's just like, nah, I ain't going. There's no, I don't need to see anything else now. Like, I've seen what I needed to see. I'm at HBCU. It's dope. And this is the environment you're telling me? What? Why wouldn't I want to come here? Like, what are you trying to tell me? To the, yeah. to the, to the point in this, this, you know, I, tell, I think I told Lionel this before. It's like, one, I, one, I had actually gotten accepted to William & Mary, which is a really prestigious school, you know. And, yeah. and she was just like, you know, she, this white teacher, she just could not understand why I did not want to go to William and Mary. And I'm thinking to myself, well, bro, you didn't really go on college day. You saw what I saw at Hampton. So you won't really know. You won't really understand. Because to me, 
you know that so I mean that thing seems superficial but it was it was just kind of the culture of the institution that I really fell in love with I'm like no I need to go to HBC I need to be with my people learning and I just want to be in that environment because and and the, and the and the best thing about it was my first day at Hampton I I had never had this feeling where I felt like I met people like me before in high school okay. A lot of the people I met, you know, every day I interacted with, majority of them was like kind of hood, and they were they just had a different upbringing than me. Yeah, and then yeah. we just, I mean, that's no disrespect, but they just had a different upbringing than me, so I couldn't have the same conversation. But I immediately got to Hampton, and I'm like seeing a dude, you know, in the walk in the hallway, and usually where I'm from, you know, you looking at a guy, you looking back, he's like you gritting at me, like you looking at me, but yeah. instead it was a normal kind of communication, like, hey, how you doing? Where you from? I'm like, oh, sh- oh. Sh- Oh snap! Yeah, what's up, dude? My, my name's yeah. I'm from Virginia. Like, you know, and it's just like, oh snap! So every this is the first place I'm at where like kind of everybody's kind of like me a little bit, and it felt really good and it felt really comfortable. And and so for me, um, all of those kind of things from high school going on to college, that, those were big to me. Is kind of finding a place that I felt like it was home. I felt like I could be myself and really uh, and kind of grow into who I'm, who who God intends me to be. Right. So. Yeah. Um, that's just that's kind of my my uh, going from particularly making decisions going from from high school um, on to college and then that's like kind of how how I felt immediately when I got there. Yeah, but I mean the thing is like for a lot of people um, in certain in certain neighborhoods and certain schools, you actually get picked on for being a smart kid, you know, like because you're not running and ripping and running in the street and talking over the teacher and when you don't do that stuff when you kind of just keep to yourself and like listen i got i have a goal in mind i have to, i have to do what i have to do people give you a hard time i never understood that and i mean of yeah. course like for all of us we have children and i mean as at a certain point we're gonna have to tell them like listen you're gonna be a lot cooler later on <laughs> if you stick to the books if you if you start to really immerse yourself into learning you're going to yeah. be the cool one. Just wait. In yeah. 20 years, 25 years from, you know, from this point, all of those people that gave you a hard time for being smart, they're still going to be holding on to high school in yeah. 20 plus yeah. years. You know, so it's, I mean, college kind of did that for me as well. I mean, I didn't go to HBCU and I've said this before and, you know, some earlier episodes. I really, really, really wanted to go to HBCU, man. I tried, but them jokers would not give me any scholarship money, man. They wanted yeah. me to walk on, and I said no. I said, I not only did I say no to drugs, I said no to student loans when I <laughs> when I went to school, and I just took that Smart. free scholarship at Smart Katama. Man. Smart yeah. man. Smart man. So, so light over there. That was definitely point, smart. At what point did it click for you? <laughs> No, that was the point you just made, Rob, like I, my, my dad always preached to me is just like it's fleeting. Like he, he always had this thing like high school is fleeting. This is just a phase. This isn't life. Yeah. Like he, he the way I don't remember even how he articulated that to, to a 16 or 15, 16. I don't even remember how he articulated that to me. But he he made it very clear that this is just a little part of your life. This is nothing. Like this is high school. This is nothing. This is nothing like which what it is later. Like what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So just kind of make good decisions. Be, be be smart. Make good decisions and recognize that this is high school. Isn't life. There's play the long game. There's so much life outside of high school that you have no idea about. But if you just kind of stick with me and listen to me, 
you know, you, you'll be fine. And I, that's one thing that I think I did better than my peers is when somebody older than me told me something, I didn't have to find it out myself. Like I, I listened and I was like, oh, this guy's like 50 some years old. He's 40 some years old. He's telling me something he knows and I don't know. I, I recognize that really early on. And that's why I think I did so well. It's not because I just made, made good decisions, but if somebody said, don't do this, you might not want to go here. Or you might not want to do that. I was like, Okay, I won't. Because I figured in my head they knew, right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's important, man. I mean, I I kind of I'm I'm the same way. So I take in pretty much all of the information. Um, however, what I've been blessed with is a good filter. So I have this internal filter where I get all the bull crap and I see people doing stupid stuff, and you know, I hear people doing. St- stupid stuff but when i'm taking in all this information my filter is actually really good so all of the bull crap i it, it catches all of it before it really gets into my spirit into my soul so then i can do away with all of the crap and then i'm taking in all of that all of those good nutrients and all those good vibrations you know what i mean so i'm kind of yeah. similar in that way like my filter has been very good over the years and uh i try to you're successful right <laughs> I try, successful. exactly and and I mean, it could be said for all of us, you know, it's it's about consistency and just like you said, you, you know, when you know, when you get in that wisdom, so you, you better hold on to it. You better hold on to it. So Lionel, like at what point did it make sense for you where you said, okay, I want to go into this field. I want to go to this school. At what point did it, did it, did it click for you? So my experience wasn't as it's not it's, it's, i it's my family was like you're you're absolutely going to college you're going to college you knew that you know i was doing good similarly academically what helped me out is i think i got a really good uh math score on the sats and you know there's a lot of schools with dei programs um that i think it just bubbled up it's funny because Simone, my wife, said she got the same, like certain schools reach out to her and just offered a scholarship, academic, which was like, you know. So and so probably would have met anyway. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. So I ended up going to Pitt. I've never been to Pennsylvania. Okay. I've never lived in the cold. I've never, I've, I saw snow like maybe once or twice my whole life. Went up to the mountains and I saw snow. And so I got a couple off. I think I got like a couple, but Pittsburgh for whatever reason, I believe what happened. And I'm not throwing a shade at my dad, but I, I'm a, I believe my dad thought Pittsburgh was an Ivy League school. And he was like, <laughs> you got to go there. You got to go to that school. That's, 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 and I think he, he probably thought it was UPenn. Um, yeah. And so, so, and I could have, I could have, I got accepted to a couple UC schools, like, in, so like UC Riverside, UC Irvine, UC San Diego. Uh, I threw out a lot of applications back then. I don't know why back whoever was at our school was like, just throw out a bunch of applications, just do them. Um, And so I guess, um, yeah, it wasn't like a planned thing. So actually I hated my first couple of years of college, like just because I was a brand is like a culture shock. The people were not the same at all. It was segregated. That was something that I wasn't used to. Um, what? not segregated, like the old, sorry, but like, yeah. but like, I wasn't used to like, we, 
where I grew up, it was very kind of diverse and, and people kind of were mixing together. And okay. so I got you. I mean, just in terms of friends, like friends and, and people, of course, people date and stuff. But like, it was just a much more diverse. We had Mexicans, we had we had Filipino, we had Vietnamese, we had Chinese, we had white people, we had black people. We had we didn't really have Caribbeans, but it was like a nice little balance. And when I got to Pittsburgh, it was like you're white or black and you're gotcha. and there's not many. black. you're very much a minority and you're you're now and it looks like the, the realness of kind of like the the East Coast or the or the South. It's like it kind of hit me and I'm like, well, I'm not white. And, but I'm, I'm also not a Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, like, so I'm trying to fit in, but I also am not. And I'm just like, why did I come here? And it's cold, you know? And so I just listened to the 50 cent album for like eight months. And I was just like, uh, you know, <laughs> I would get rich yeah, or die trying. Yeah. It was, that was yeah. the time I'm going to get rich or die trying. I just listened to that every day. I went to these cl- classes. That, that thing was jamming, man. It was, but um, <laughs> yeah. So at the same time, like I, you know, I knew I came here for a reason. And I used to call my my dad and like and and you know your first two years is kind of like general kind of uh, courses so it was almost like doing high school again if you took like AP classes so it's like you're doing calculus you're doing so it's like okay I'm doing I'm doing fine at the same time and you, there's still you're still in college so like it's not like that ridiculous like you're still having fun you're going out you're you're partying and whatnot you're meeting people but it's just not the same so it was a culture shock but uh, at the same time I knew I came there for a reason. Um, but ultimately the way I kind of looked at school was like in college, I made lifelong friends. I made some amazing friends. You kind of get used to it. You kind of put yourself through the grind. That's one thing I think it taught me is like putting yourself through something you may not like necessarily love, but you're going to finish it. You're going to put yourself through it. Um, yeah. cause it's not to your def- detriment. I'm not saying like just anything that's painful do, but you know, there's a lot of value. And so what, 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 I think Pittsburgh ended up doing for me aside from I think getting in really early into the tech ecosystem, which exploded over the past, you know, two, three decades, you know, whatever, but for sure during my career time, um, it also kind of brought me to the East coast. So and we'll get into that, but um, that's how I ended up in New York city, which definitely opened a lot of doors for me and where I met my wife, et cetera. So. Okay. So guys, let me ask you this, and like I, you know, I, I made a, a light reference to it earlier. Everyone on this episode, we have kids. So for all of our families, they told us it's college or or die, essentially. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, like they really cut off a lot of the movement in terms of free thinking, and maybe I could take a year off and figure this and that out, right? As 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 fathers, of course, our wives, you know, if they were sitting here with us, they would have a lot to say about it, too, I'm sure. But as as fathers, would you all give it to your kids in that way where it's like you're going to college? I'm I'm asking that because we're in this information age now. So you may we, we were talking about the commanders, right, and how they had to change the name to the commanders from the Redskins. Way back when, we didn't have this information. We're in the information age now, so we know so much. As tech-savvy individuals, as information-forward individuals, do you allow your kids to have that freedom to explore all of these different opportunities, or do you tell them, 
you going to college, God dog it. I don't care what you what school you go to, you going to college. How 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 would you guys approach it knowing what you know now? I, I just want to preface with Vic has a very unique perspective here because he has a PhD. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he has two boys. Um mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. and we definitely align. So I'll just let Vic take this one. Sorry. All right, let's get it. Yeah, no, we Lionel and I talk about this all the time. And mm -hmm. it's it's because it's it's like a strategy, right? So I have a PhD. I went mm -hmm. to Hampton and I went to Howard. I met my wife at Howard. My wife has a PhD too. We were in the same program. So okay. um that's where we met. So just just to give a caveat. So mm -hmm. I spent um post post undergraduate, I spent seven years getting my PhD. So pretty much wow. consumed my my mid to late twenties and then on to early thirties, it consumed it. Right. Fine. You know, to me, growing up, it, it, growing up, I was told that you got to go to college. And my dad told me, he's like, you got to get the best degree possible. And the caveat, the, the reason why he said that is they grew up in the civil rights kind of era. My dad went to Vietnam. He, he grew up in segregated schools. He, he was, I mean, they were in that whole era where, you know, you had to protect yourself as black yep. people. You like really had to protect yourself from the yeah, white man. And it sounds bad, but that's what it was, right? So everything that I was told coming up was protect yourself from the white man. And the way to do that was to be the most educated MF on the planet, as educated as you possibly could be, right? Okay. So yep. that's why I was like, go get the highest degree possible because my dad said, quote, so, so the white man can't come into your office on Friday and fire you because you're just too valuable for that to happen. And so right. that was, that was, that was what, that was my framework, right? It was just like, so I knew, and, and I was doing well in undergrad and I was a biology major. So what is it? You either go to med school or you either get your PhD in something. So I didn't go to med school. I ended up getting my PhD. So going back to your specific question, I'm seeing, and this, this is without the context of what we know now as far as the startup ecosystem and this environment where, you know, these venture capital firms are throwing five, $10 million into the hands of 22-year-olds to start business. Yep. I don't come from that environment. I knew nothing about that. All I right. knew is you had to be the most educated person possible. So mm -hmm. coming back to, to, to where my kids are now with the knowledge that I have in startup, and I know that there's billions of dollars being invested, right? The way I'm going to approach my kids, I'm going to still encourage them to, to, put, to go to college. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have the framework will be different from which they have to be successful. Because now I don't think um, with, 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 like you said, with all of the things that now you can find at your fingertips just by Google searching, right? You, you have all this information at your, your fingertips. You have all these abilities to be innovative without the need of certain educational tools or certain, you don't need that anymore per se, the same way that I felt that I needed it back then. And it's been very beneficial. I'm not knocking my degree or anything, but what I'm saying is now, you know, I want to preach to my kids to be innovative. Don't go in, and, and I talk to Lionel about this all the time, don't go into these big bureaucratic organizations and then become one of them with this kind of group yeah. mindset. I want you Part to continue to be innovative, be creative, to think. If you have an idea, present your idea to people, to me, to somebody else in this environment, and see how you can make it come to fruition. Make a plan, make a strategy for how you can make take this idea from just an idea to a business opportunity, right? And and you, 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 you don't necessarily have to have the highest end education to do that. But I do think college from just a, just a simple kind of 
way college is, it gives you the opportunity to grow and learn by yourself without your parents' supervision. So going away to a four-year college is beneficial for just, even, even if it's just simply you learning who you are, you learning what you like without the influence of your parents, and you learning to be an adult, I think, and, and, and kind of taking care of yourself. I think that you need that. I just think structurally it helps a kid, right? right. But post that experience, I do think that, you know, I want to preach to my kids, if you have ideas, if you have thoughts, just don't throw things to the wind and just say, I just, I want to do this. I was like, okay, well, that sounds good. How are you going to do it? That's the question. Those are the questions. I'm like, well, how are you going to do that? I mean, do you have a business plan? Did you, did you, did you develop a strategy? Who are you going to talk to? Have you been networking in that space? Have you been talking mm-hmm. to your friends? Who else is doing it? And so it's just going to be different because to me, I, I don't think they need the highest degree to be successful. I just think that they need to be, they need to be knowledgeable about all of the opportunities that were available that my parents just didn't know. They're not, we're not, we're not from this ecosystem that tells you this information of how these people are building companies at 22 years old, then they're getting acquired for 40, 50, 60, hundred million dollars. And this is how you, this is how you build generational wealth. And we, we're just thinking you get a good job and you work it for 30 years and be done, right? And retire. Right. That yeah. is, that's not really the way to build generational wealth. And so now we're, now Lionel and I are in a position where we recognize that now we're like, oh, okay. This is how this is how the white folks have been doing it for so long, and we just we just didn't know. So the cats now, out the bag. <laughs> the cats out the bag now. My, my Lionel's daughter's brilliant. My kids are smart. Forget about it now. It's, it's game on now because now I know the tricks of the trade, and now so the experiences that Lionel and I go through in this ecosystem, particularly some of the inequities, we're going to be able to jump jump them ahead now because we like okay. Well, skip ahead, skip ahead of these folks. Go here because oh yeah, you know. We, so I, I don't know, Lionel. Did I did I hit did I hit the points there? I know you probably have some thoughts as well. No, yeah. I mean, if I could, uh, I just think with Vic's PhD and what he he kind of went through, um, I think it just gives that kind of not like it was a bad story because it's a great story, right? Like, but as you know. This guy's name is Dylan something, um, just sold his startup, well, it's not a startup anymore, Figma, to Adobe for $20 billion, and he was a Brown University dropout, right? So, you know, uh, yeah, and, yep. you know, and of course, we everybody knows about Zuckerberg, uh, Bill Gates was a dropout, but, like, these are, like, the big stories, but, like, yeah, like, there's nothing, like, that there's, and people said this, and I didn't, I didn't do this in, in, in my school enough i i feel like i probably should have done this at a younger age there's value in like building like networks because a lot of your peers are going to go and do awesome things but especially if you surround yourself with a a very good network right yes when you surround when you when you have people like again it's about that filter like you can feel when somebody has something different going on even if their grades aren't the best or whatever but when you sit down with them and you spend time with them and you can say to yourself, like, man, this, he's different or she's different, you know, especially, whatever. Especially so, yeah. That, I, and I wish I would have done the same thing, Lionel. Like, I wish I would have placed more priority on on networking. Of course, the school and this and that, but the networking, I wish I would have done a little bit better with that. But, yeah, sorry to cut you no, off. No, 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 no. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. And the, the way you express it was exactly how I feel. It doesn't mean we didn't make good friends and make awesome networks, but I guess, um, yeah, I think for, you know, in 18 or whatever, 17 years when my daughter's going to school, 
you know, I think I'm not going to say don't go to college, but I also am going to say the real, like, you're not going to go, they're not, you're not going to go walk in some doors and walk out and like your life is answered. That's not how you're going to go in there. Four years is going to pass during those four years, try and, you know, build like whatever you feel like you want to pursue. And if you don't know, that's okay, but learn different things. But it's about developing like, you know, real like friendships and relationships that you will definitely use. And it's not like opportunistic, like I need this friend so they could do it. No, it's like, but it could, it, it definitely could help your career as well. Um, but also just explore. But the real learning could happen literally on at home. Like the stuff you're really going to like, whatever topic it is, you could learn it right now on, the, on your computer or on your phone. So that like and and you do learn to learn by going to school as well so and being surrounded so i'm not going to say it's not worth it but there's definitely some things like student loans like go take a hundred thousand dollars and go to some private school that's just the most expensive school like that's like if you don't have that money maybe don't do that you know and and i think there's a ton of value with the people who who did like community college for two years and then transferred to four years like that was smart that was smart so there's like a strategy to it and it's not just like, and for a lot of people, I don't, I don't think, and even if I have a kid who's not really, who doesn't want to pursue something academic, you could still be, you could do amazing with the trade. So like, I, I just think there's different answers. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and like you said, man, it's, there, it's, some of this stuff is not black and white. There's a lot. And I mean, even for young people, it's a lot of gray area when you're growing, man. Like, I mean, of course, our parents, they, they only knew this way or that way, right? So it was like, listen, this is what it is. But now for us, knowing what we know and having taken some risks, it's I think it will be of great value if we push that to the kids as well. Like, okay, this is an option, and it worked for me. It worked for us, right? Just think of the possibilities by doing this. And I mean, a lot of the kids, I mean, my, my kids are young, so they're not on TikTok and Facebook and all that stuff. But a lot of the, a lot of these young people, man, 18 years old, getting offered 10K per post. You know, they're getting offered, you know, 50,000 to sell T-shirts. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, think, think in sports. Like, these athletes now, they're now monetizing their identities you know they they are an entity now with i wish we had that in school then i probably would have definitely been networking a lot more you know right. you right. know but it, i mean it's so much gray area out here and i think you know as as parents like you guys just talked about man it's 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 great to hold on to the values that we were taught but i think we should also embrace this gray area because it's a lot of flexibility in there that wasn't there before all right guys so i'm I'm gonna push forward uh, in the conversation, because I mean, I'm sure we could have a long conversation about this, but we 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 we're at college, all right. And Vic, you told me, uh, you told us earlier, um, you you said, listen, I, I'm I spent seven years getting my PhD, um, so I'm going to ask you, Lionel. So college graduation is approaching. What's what's your approach? What's your perspective? And where where does life take you after you walk across that stage at Pitt? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So I think I was a pretty um I don't know what the a good word is, but I wasn't like a traditional like eager student to figure out like okay, what am I doing next? I need to start going to career fairs and stuff like that. I went to one career fair 
And I just didn't like the experience. And I was like, man, I don't know. I know that I'm graduating with a degree in computer science or computer engineering. I feel like I could, I could do two things. I could write software or I could design hardware. This is what I've kind of, this is all I feel like I, I'm not an amazing, I, I'm not amazing at either one of them. I'm not that, um, like deep into those worlds. Cause those are like my new, like the, the funny thing about computer science and engineering, I think in probably like another 10, 15 years, there'll be a lot more structure to like the process of like for companies hiring to, to validate, to know what you supposedly say, you know, um, com like right. compared to medicine, like, like my wife is a, a physician and she had to go through like very rigorous steps to become that. And then you got to pass different uh, steps and, and, and obviously med school and residency, and then you got to get board certified. It's like a lot of field or like gates before you're actually able to go practice. You know, if you want to design hardware, as long as you can figure it out and figure out, uh, you download the software and stuff. And it, but it's, it's a very insanely like technical um, a kind of field. And I'm like, I'm not that technical. Like I learned some very stuff to pass this test, you know, in terms of programming, I don't go build programs for fun on the weekend. I want to go out and, and meet some people, meet some girls and do stuff. Um, at the same time, like I have this degree, so I should be able to get a job as a programmer. And back then, like now you could just, you throw a resume, any direction, you're going to get 50,000 job offers. Back then it wasn't that obvious. And it was like, you're like, people are kind of skeptical and they're really interviewing you. So my first, um, like I had an internship, uh, during like my last year. And then I tried to interview with them and then they passed. And so I was kind of like, well, I'm not staying in Pittsburgh. Cause if, if I would have got that job, I would have stayed in Pittsburgh. It's a big train company that manufactured trains like subway cars and stuff like that. So I went back to Cali. I just moved home and I met, I knew this dude. He's a friend of mine who was just killing it in real estate. Cause it was like 2006, seven. And of course that was like when real estate was exploding and you'd buy a house 50, 50 minutes later, it's worth like a hundred thousand dollars more. And he was just flipping real estate. He was like four years older than me. And I'm like, well, I just graduated college. I don't have a job. I moved back home with my parents. Let me just shadow you and learn real estate. So I did that for like six months and then the market tanked and he lost like five properties. And he's like, man, I can't pay you no more. And he's pissed off at life. Cause of course. And so I was like, well, let me go figure out how to get a job. So I, I literally went on Craigslist. I, I typed in programming and any job that came up, I copy and pasted a, a, and Vic loves this. I automated it. I sent like 300 emails out to any, any, anything that said programming on Craigslist. I sent 300 emails out with my resume. I got a lot of calls back. I found some small company in, in Long Beach, California. I just was like, I need a job. You know, my dad's looking at me like, of course. you know, what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got this job at a small media company and, you know, it, it was, it was fine. It, you know, it kind of, it was like that first step, but hopefully that answered it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. So Vic, you, you went to school for seven years. What, what happens after you finish getting your PhD? Like where, where do you go? Yeah, man. That's, see, that's, that's, that's a long, long road, man. Um, so just to, perspective when you go to get your phd most people get it most of your professors are there because they have their phds they did research and mm -hmm. they got their phds because they wanted to continue doing research and become a and, and be a professor that's why they were there that's what they know is going to the professoriate right all right so that's one thing 
And then it's and then it's like okay, you could go to industry and make some money. Da, 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 da. But none of my professors, all of them are professors. None of them had industry contacts. None of them had contacts outside of the professoriate. So you know, unlike you know maybe other schools, other places, maybe they had those relationships built in. Not at Howard, we didn't really have that in our program. You know, so after I graduated, it was just like it was on me to figure out like where, where, what are you gonna do? You know. You know, because I didn't have any network, I didn't have any resource. I literally had to start from scratch. I had started building a LinkedIn profile a couple of years prior because I knew I needed it, and I just spent an entire year blind outreaching as many people as I possibly could, in hopes to find some sort of job that fit the narrative of what I thought a job in my field would be. Which, once you graduate, you don't know, right? Like you just you're just throwing your resume out and throwing your experiences out. And you're like, I don't know what I can do. I do these things. That's what I did in graduate school. I, I taught classes in graduate school. I don't know. So, you know, let, it let me ask you this before you continue. Let me ask you this before you continue. I, sure. I'm sorry to cut you off. So, no, no, no. But did you, did you feel a little betrayed after you finished all of that studying? And it's just like, wait. I got to start from zero. I spent all of this time, all I used all of these resources to get the highest degree in the land. And you're telling me I have to, I have to do everything myself? Did you feel a little, like, indifferent at, at that time? Or was it just like, this is a part of the game? Yeah, I wasn't mad at anybody or, or indifferent at anybody per se, maybe the system. Right. But it, it, was, it was like... So yes and no, like, because it, it, it was like, you know, so let's put it like this. I was, I, I graduated and I'm looking for a job and I'm just like, everybody's calling me doctor. People in my family, yeah, doctor, doctor. I'm like, well, this doctor don't matter if I ain't making no money. Like I'm, I have no money. I'm like poor. I'm using like my credit card to pay for stuff for the year. Like it's bad. Like it's just bad. You got that bad. degree though. Just, huh? <laughs> so you got that yeah. degree though. <laughs> right. I got my degree though. Right. And, yeah. um, and so I'm like looking and I'm searching. And it was one part right before I got my first fellowship at FDA. Um, mm. and, it was, and it was just like literally right before, like a month before, it had gotten to the point where it's like, well, I'm a grown man. I'm pushing, I'm like in my 30s and I don't have a job. And that's, I've been unemployed looking for, because looking for a job is actually a job. It's really tough, particularly in my yeah. field where you have to have a lot of interviews and people are looking for these real specific skill sets in industry, like the, your background. Yeah. So it came to a point where, when I was just like, right after I graduated, I I, pl- I was just like, I got to work somewhere. So I, it, there was a Sears down the street. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I went to Sears and I applied for a job at Sears to be like, a, and I literally had to dumb down my resume all the way down because it's confusing. Like, well, why you just graduated with here? Why are you coming here to work right. to work at Sears? I'd say, and it's no disrespect to anybody working at Sears at all, working in, that's no disrespect because I, I work a lot of those jobs, but post PhD, yeah. it was, it was extraordinarily kind of depressing and deflating, you know, to know that like I got to this point where I, I did all of this work for this degree that everybody told me would be the lifesaver and would, would take you and to the stratosphere only to spend a full year unemployed, then have to, then barely get a job. And now I'm working at a bottom, I'm, I'm at a mid to bottom tier of an organization, yep. working yep. my way back up, you know, working my way back up. At the same point that a white person with no degree or a black person for that matter, with no degree got in and they, they just work and we're at the same place. 
uh, at the same yeah. place where they had a bachelor's degree, I had this PhD, and we're at the same place. Like it's and this again, I'm not. There's no disrespect because they they probably not. had a few more years of you know of experience maybe, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's just like you know, in the back of your head, you're thinking, did this yield me anything? You know, did this yeah. did this long experience I have did it did it yield me what I expected? Because in your mind. You know, you think you get this degree, you think you write your ticket to success and money, like you, I make a lot of money and, you know, I can take care of myself. I can have the things that I want because in graduate school, you're poor the entire, so you spend most of your 20s just with no money, like, and you're yep. just, you don't need, like, grants and, you know, you're on student loans, so you got student loans or you're taking yep. a loan, so it's just like, you're not, I mean, you're, I'm, I wasn't poor or anything. I didn't, like, str- like struggle like that, but mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. like I'm living, it's not like I can take my, my buddies are going on these trips because they're working, so they're going on these trips having good time. Not like I can do all of that stuff. I can't live like I would have hoped to in my 20s. So You don't have the freedom that you probably envisioned, you know, correct. going through the steps that you went through, right? Yeah. Right. So so I'd, I'd say that, you know, what I'd say that, I you know, I, I, don't, I don't regret getting my degree. Um, because I think it has, in a lot of ways, put me, put me in places and put me in positions. They just it qualifies me a lot, particularly in, in this regulatory science, pharma space. Like it, it qualifies. It's like it's like the number one qualifier, right? One of them yep. in that space. So you kind of need it to really yep. try to move up. Um, so it's good in that aspect. But if you ask me, could I have been just as successful? With my work ethic, with the work ethic I had, if I had just come out of undergrad and just kind of just did some stuff and figured it out, yeah, I probably would be be ahead of where I'm at now. On, on, on all, in all honesty, if I'm basing it on my work ethic, because I yeah, would have yeah, worked yeah, hard yeah. and worked my way up through my 20s, yeah. and I probably would have been here versus me getting this education and still working my way up and still not even being there yet, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let me ask you guys this. So we talked about post-grad life and, you know, some of the things that took place after that. At some point, something changed. So both of you guys can chime in. One of you, it's, it's really – so something changed, and you said to yourselves, I don't want to be a part of the machine in, 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 in the way that we are in, in it right now. Let's create our own mechanism. At what point did it, did that change happen for you guys? I'll go first real quick. Um, <clears throat> the machine, it's an interesting uh, in machine. So me, I jumped. I, so after that first job, I, I went and I moved to New York City um, for no, with no like promise of anything. I just was like, I, I visited New York City. I, I always loved it. So it was like a personal thing. And I was like, I, w- I wanted to live there. I was like 22. And I'm like, I want to I want to live there, even if it's for a year or two. I didn't really have a good plan. But um, uh, so I left that job in Long Beach and I did the same thing. I went on Craigslist and I blasted all these uh, anything with programming in it. And then I got a recruiter hit me back and he's like, He's like, I have a job that I think you that would fit for you. Um, 
it would change your life, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like 22 years old. He's like, it's for a huge company, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that sounds cool. What's a company? He's like, Sony Music. I'm like, that sounds amazing. Sony Music, record label, that's New York City. Like, at the same time, you know, I I think I had like $2,000 in my pocket. I got a ticket. My, I had a good friend who, who was living in New York at the time. And so I just lived with him for a couple of weeks. And I interviewed and I, I landed that job at Sony. And so that was kind of like a, a kind of good transition into New York. But as as we'll kind of get into probably more, or maybe if I could answer quickly how it clicked. I went from Sony, Sony for five years. I left Sony, I went to Viacom. I was there for a year and a half. And then I jumped around, went to ESPN, the NFL, just again, all IT, like enterprise IT, which is just basically building internal systems that they need to do their business. A lot of times antiquated kind of, in all honesty, BS systems that you should have just paid a, a, a third party to do for you. So you don't do it because you they always do it badly. And um, <laughs> yeah, and then I finally, and, and then this, I got, you know, this is like over a period of like t- 10 years. Um, yeah. And then I got to Johnson and Johnson and these are all great companies, great institutions. You could absolutely have a great life. You could, you know, buy a house, you could have some savings. You've gone to go on vacation. You have health insurance. It's, it's, I'm not complaining, but again, there's this entire ecosystem of, um, you know, hundreds of like, like, let's put the actual numbers in 2021, it was 600 billion. And then when you bring in private equity, it's like trillions of dollars each year being infused into companies and new companies and new assets to generate more wealth. And what I'm looking at is like, okay, I'm in tech. I know how to program. I've had ideas. I have like five friends who would never forget. They're like, yo, bro, you predicted Tinder. You told me like you wanted to build Tinder because I did like five years before. I was like, yeah, man, what if you could just look at your phone and based on your, your GPS, you can see who you like and like, and you can meet them and stuff like that. And this was five years ahead. I, I was always kind of just deep into that world. And, and I remember telling another friend when Bitcoin was 73 cents, 73 cents, I was like, look at this Bitcoin thing. It's pretty cool. And like, just talking about it, but never taking the action. That was always the kind of problem is that like, it's like, do the safe thing, just go to work, do your job, but don't just invest $2,000 in Bitcoin when it's 73 cents. That's silly. Actually, if I would have done that, I would have had like, I would have I made like $15 million. That's what I should have done. <laughs> so that's what, if I, if there's one thing and I, I have that screenshot, I posted it to my Instagram of me emailing my friend, Hey, this thing is cool. Look at this thing. It's 73 cents. Maybe we should buy some. And I just never did. Um, uh, exactly. So, so when it clicked was now I'm, I think it's, I'm 30, whatever, 32 or 31. And I'm like, well, I'm going to just start building some of my own stuff, some of my own ideas. I don't care. I'll work full time. I'll do it on the side. And the idea that was really compelling to me is when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I'm seeing all these people, everyday people, and this is back in like 2015. So the word influencer wasn't really a big thing. Uh, creator definitely wasn't a thing. And I'm like, this person's a regular person just like me, but they're a bartender, but they have a hundred thousand followers. It's like a girl bartender, a hundred thousand followers. I think that even 1% of her fans would pay them, pay her $5 a month for exclusive content or this fitness trainer who has 200,000 followers 
And back then, nobody Lincoln bio wasn't a thing. Nobody's promoted. It's all for likes, all for likes, all for fun. And I'm like, this fitness person could sell training videos for two, three dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. So what do I need to do? I need to build Instagram, but with a paywall. Like you got to pay to see this content. And I just knew this was going to be a thing. I was like, just a hundred percent. I was like, this is going to be a thing. And I don't know anything about fundraising. I have no network with startup or eco, you know, I have no, I don't know a single VC. I don't know a single scout. I don't know any of these people. I don't know even know other founders because in the, in the mm -hmm. enterprise IT, there's like, those are like, or just in a company that's people. If you get in a Johnson and Johnson, like, like 70% of the people, they're there for life. They want to be there for life and they hoard it too. Right. And they make sure that their family members get in and this is it. Mm -hmm. And it's a great career path. It's awesome. But again, you're not going to go sell your company for, for 50, 30, 50 million or whatever, millions of dollars. Um, and also you're typically not doing anything that in terms of tech, you're not doing anything exciting. You're not changing the world. All the innovation is happening in startups. And so cog in, the, in, in the system. Yeah. And, just, and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that without, of course, the, yeah. this that's the way the world works. It's like people like commit to a company and they, they do the work. Like I'm not talking down on it. What I am saying is for me personally, I had ideas. I knew that I kind of I, I, I wanted to pursue and I felt like they're good ideas. I want to pursue it. So and, and I had the ability to do it. So that for me, it made sense. I'm not saying that. But at the same time, it's extremely hard. And the, the likelihood of success is extremely low like it's 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 like getting to the league you are an elite basketball player you are an elite yeah. basketball player and you know how difficult it is to be part of that 0.0001% that gets into the league it's it's not as difficult and there's a lot of the difference between sports and startups is at least sports you could just show it on the court or the field with startups it's like oh i know this this guy knows me so i'm just going to he's going to fund me which is kind of bullshit and me and vic are super passionate yeah. about that kind of inequity yeah. as well I has a long answer to how it clicked, but that's kind of how it clicked. Yeah, Vic. At some point in time, it was it because what we're doing is we're your stories are going neck and neck right now, right? And now we're gonna hit that that intersection where you guys meet, and we're we're really close to that. So at some point in time, it changed for you. Like you got the ball rolling, you got some momentum in your own personal life, Vic. When at what point did you say, I, I, I don't want to, I, I need to do something of my own? Yeah, it's, it's, it is, you're right, it is aligning kind of with Lionel, um, but I, was, I think I was a few years after him. So um, because of how long it took me to work my way through to the corporate, corporate right. system, right, and get started. So right. um, what I recognized was I was doing really well. At, I was, I was working at SBA um, and that's, Pinnacle of jobs if you're coming from science, you know, if you're coming from my science background and PhD, you at the FDA, you're at the, you're, that's it, right? Or, or be at a huge pharma company, one of the two, but FDA was just a great, great look, right? So I'm there and I'm working my way up and I'm, and I'm like looking at the pay scale, right? I'm always looking, I'm like, yeah, if I move up to here, you know, I'll be this and I have this title, I'll do this and I'm working hard. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to keep pushing. So I'd say the first like six years, I just busting my ass just I mean I worked hard I did really well people of course you know people like you um you're building a good name and reputation for yourself um but when I recognized I got to a point and I'm like I'm a team lead I'm a supervisor I'm supervising a bunch of people and I'm recognizing like 
you know, at the end of the day, these people are going to never see me as valuable as I see myself. They just yeah, see me as Vic, this guy who does this, and he'll probably move forward because if he works hard, he may get to a director. And, you know, the FDA is long, bureaucracy is long as like five, 10 years, you know, like, what do you like? What do you think? I'm gonna wait for somebody to retire to take a position. They retire in ten. Oh, they, they retire in ten years. Maybe you can get there. We're like, what kind of world are we in? Right? I'm Maybe. good now. I don't want to wait for nobody to retire. You need to hire me. You need to move me up now. I don't care about just how you typically do things because I'm I'm more talented than this person, and it's evident, right? Yep. And so what I recognize is I would tell people all the time, "Who do you want to be?" I was like, "I'll be FDA commissioner." And you tell people that, and they kind of scoff at you, like, "Okay," and Fair, right? It's a fair point because being from my position, right, you know, there's nobody that just came from the mostly the, the no, at least no black person that came from the trenches of, of an organization to make it to the commission. The commissioners always, they may have been at FDA for a couple of years, but they went and they were board of directors on this thing and this thing. You're, yep, you're yep. just well networked. And then the, the president comes and plucks you and says, you're the FDA commissioner. Yep. I thought about it over time and I'm just like, these people will never see me the way I see myself. These people will never value my talents the way I know they should be valued. And I'll never meet my full life potential being within a, this org in this bureaucracy. I was just like, there's there's no way. I was like, yeah, I could work my way up pretty high there. I know it for a fact. I could be very high at that org, but I don't want to wait 20 years for that happen to happen, nor, you know, or that to potentially happen, nor do I want to, you know, Spend my life, and this may sound, may sound bad, but trying to appease white people and make white people feel comfortable about me and my abilities, because that that's another part of it that we don't talk about. But you're battling against that all the time because you're not in their networks, right? You're not in their group, and they don't necessarily see you as that director. They you got to really convince them and work hard to convince them that you're you're qualified for that, even though you're well qualified. Right. So it's just a tougher it's a tougher push. Right. No excuse, but it's a tougher push. And so when I recognized that, I think it collided at the same point when I when I then recognized and started hearing more about. And I had this kind of chance encounter with uh, a millionaire. I'm, I, I'm, I live in the DMV. I live in the D.C. area. And mm-hmm. um, I had this chance encounter with this this black millionaire. He owned some hotels. Um, he had another business. And my wife and I, we just, we had some questions for him. So we sat down and we were talking to him and he just kind of gave me his background on like where he came from. And like when his come to Jesus moment came and how he branched out and created his own business. He's a multimillionaire. He's, he's big time. He's well known in the city um, and in the community. Um, and after hearing that story, I was like, this is it. This is it. I was like, this is where I need to be going. I was like, I clearly missed the memo before, but I'm here now. I was like, I'm, I'm here now, okay. and I don't, and, I, and and this is no disrespect to anybody, but I don't want to, I don't want, I'm not doing it. I don't want any like Rudy Poot little, you know, fried chicken stand in the corner. That's not what I'm yeah, building yeah. for here, right? I'm, I'm building. Scale. I want to mm-hmm. build something big that has a, a chance to be impactful. And yep. at that same juncture was right after my dad had passed away, and he had passed away to cancer. So I had some ideas there because I'm a scientist and by training I'm at FDA and I have these thoughts in my head of how I could help help change some narratives there on that front. And I started working on that. And through that work on that, 
um, me and Lionel are still meeting. So I, so, so Lionel and I, we're not, you know, we're, we're close, but this is where Lionel and I really connected because I tell Lionel this story of this chance encounter with the millionaire, not knowing all the stuff that Lionel had going on in the background with Tipsnet. And so Lionel's yeah. listening to me and he's hearing it. He's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so Lionel and I start meeting like every Friday for like hours, like hours. And we're just, and he's listening to me about my startup idea. And so like for maybe a year, it was over a year, we're meeting like every Friday, literally. And we're talking like for hours and then throughout the week. And so what happened was over that time, I'm learning a lot about what's going on. I'm learning a lot about like venture capital and the opportunities. And then, I, and so what happens is Lionel comes to me one day. He's just like, listen, man, he's like, you're talented. He's like, they may not see how talented you are, but he's like, you're a communicator. He's like, you communicate well. He said, like, people want to listen to you. People want to hear you. That is your God. That's God's gift. Like, that's you. He's like, that is what we're missing at Tipsnap. And if you want to, you know, you could, you know, I want to bring you on as co-founder and we can work together to kind of build this company. And so me, I recognized really quick. I was just like, Lionel's never wrong. He was right about Tipsnap. I was like, I reckon, I was like, he's never wrong about technology. He's not wrong about where something's going to be in five years. He is never wrong, ever. He's always right. And so I was just like, hmm, I can fight this battle that I'm trying to fight and build my own company. And, and kind of we're just kind of struggling and Lionel's helping me. Or we can combine our talents. He's further ahead, much further ahead. I can, I can help him take it, over, take it over the hill, right? And we can just keep climbing. And so that's how Lionel and I came together and we built and, um, you know, and, and, and that's where that's where we came together and that's where tip snaps just collided. And that's how we we ended up working together. Um, and and since then, you know, it's just been crazy, man. It's just it's just been crazy. I've You know, we've we've done a lot. We've done a lot. And, um, you know, and, and I just but I think just kind of our, our lives kind of colliding at this similar time, because I think 10 years prior, five years prior, we would have missed each other completely. Yeah, you might not, you might not have been ready for where you're at what, like this. You, you would have yeah. been ready for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And another yeah. point that I want to make, um, because I think this is really the impetus for why is when my dad passed the cancer, he passed, he worked, he, 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 he retired from the federal government. At, he worked at the VA, the Center, you know, Vet Veterans Affairs, Corona, Virginia, okay. for 30 plus years. He retired, lived a good life. He played golf, but he passed away like maybe six, seven years after retirement, right? Okay. And what it told me then, I'm like in my 30s, but it told me then I was like, life is short. I don't have time. I don't have time to bullshit with these people yep. for another 10, 15 years of my life. I was like, I don't have that time. If I want to build something, I got to start doing it now because absolutely, and I have to be. It has to be a drastic kind of thing for me to do because I'm talented enough to do it. I just need to figure out how, when, where, why, and and so Lionel and I collided at that at that same point where I had this grand like vision in my head, like it's like almost like spiritual, like you got to do this. you you got to do this now, like you don't have time, you don't have time. Yeah. And so it's it's just kind of a blessing how it all kind of came together. Um, but but my dad's passing and then the recognition of time that I did that my time is it's because it was traumatic to me. So it was the recognition of time. Like you don't have time. No. Like there's no more time. You got you gotta go. 
And so the time is now, essentially. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, and, and the reason why, you know, we, you know, I kind of do the podcast in this way, man, is because, especially for, you know, the, so this is actually the first time that I've had two people on at one time, you know. So what I wanted to do when I was sculpting the episode is I wanted to, I wanted to draw these parallel universes, right? And and at some point you guys intersect and that's where we are now. So if you if you could, this has been the build up. Let's talk about tip snaps. This is why you guys are here. You guys are on the platform to talk about tip snaps. Uh, you guys told me the the ethos behind it. But if you could, I mean, Lionel, you the one who kicked it off, and then of course, Vic, you came into the fold, and you guys meshed and blended blended together. But uh, just tell 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 us a little bit about tip snaps and 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 why is it e- important to the the content creator ecosystem? Yeah, 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 you're good. Um, yeah. So again, the way I saw back in 2015, the way I saw it was just like the opportunity for kind of everyday people to start monetizing their fan bases, right? So taking social media from just being fun to like being more kind of business oriented, which a lot of creators are already trying to move in that direction. Um, fast forward to now, you know, it's, it's, it's not obvious to everybody, but it's definitely very well known that creators, it's a business, right? It's a business model. Like you're, you, yes, you make content, but it's not just for fun. You know, there are, there are tech companies that are monetizing your content to the tune of, you know, um, nearing a trillion dollars. Some of the biggest tech companies on earth, you know, are, are off the background of, of creators or social media. So tip snaps, the value of tip snaps today is, and my daughter's here, so sorry for any background. No, it's but, all good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we understand the game. It's, yeah. it's good. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, but yeah, the value is that, you know, we enable creators to monetize their content directly, meaning, look, you, you got you, even if you have 500 followers or 50,000 followers, some of them will pay you on a monthly basis to subscribe to exclusive content. There are a lot of platforms that preach that they do this or some platforms that are really well known for this, but what, what differentiates us is we're focused on supporting niches of creators of color right so and that doesn't mean we're excluding anybody all we're saying is if you're a black hair and beauty creator and you have a youtube channel with fifty thousand followers and youtube sends you like a three dollar check at the end of the month you can convert one percent of them (laughs) you can convert 500 people at twenty dollars a month for longer form videos which 500 people from your fifty thousand absolutely would subscribe and that's incredible kind of money that you just didn't have before, right? Um, which you deserve, right? Which 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 uh, Alphabet or Google is 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 currently making off of you. So we're trying to help shift the model of like and the understanding. And there are a lot of niches like the 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 niche that everybody kind of knows are the platform people typically affiliate this with is like Patreon or even OnlyFans. But again. There's those kind of, as soon as I say those words, your brain goes a certain direction. Like, okay, I know what, I know what OnlyFans is for, but Patreon, like, what is, is that? Like maybe podcasters, certain YouTubers, but, but not all black and beauty creators are on there and not all comedians, not all NCAA athletes who should be monetizing their workout routines 
they're when they go out at night and like you know kids just want to know what they're you know how's how's your the party last i just want to you know just a, a closer relationship with your fans so that's the first part and that's and that's so we in terms of you know is this is just are you guys just talking or is this real it's real we have half a million registered users on our platform and we've done this with no venture nice. capital yeah typically to get to any type of uh those type of metrics half a million people using the platform you've raised like 10 10 15 20 million dollars and and we've raised none right we just we just built it ourselves and we got it out there ourselves via social media etc and then and the, and of course it's a it's a network effect where one user joins one fitness trainer joins well their fitness trainer friends watching they're like what is that and it's like oh i didn't know you could do that all right so so the first part of tip snaps we've paid out almost three million dollars to creators so creators are making money um and the okay. second piece which we're really excited about and we think super innovative we don't see anybody else doing it is is what we call tip pools and tip pools fan initiated crowdfunding for social media content so you can think of it like gofundme but for content except the fans dictate and decide what they want to see so wow okay yeah so so one one good one vic came up with this this last week um the shade room posted this kind of meme about maxwell and genuine um they they were like now they're they're getting older and they're like dance Dan off you saw it <laughs> you saw it so yeah they're getting older they're starting to dance on their on at their concerts and people are kind of laughing at them so it's like the shade room's like they should have a dance off and so we're like that's a tip pool how many fans would would fund that um to see that happen um oh, yeah. sorry yeah Vic, maybe you want to keep riffing off that yeah no that that's it i mean it's it's Tip, tip pools is, is really a unicorn in, in and of itself because, you know, it's it's taking the energy of social media, taking the energy of culture and like throwing it and but putting an action behind it. So you're not just we're just not talking about what if, you know, or yeah. man, these guys are dope rappers. Love to see them, you know, do a song together or, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, Will Smith and, and, and Chris Rock, you know sit down at a table and talk like we'd yeah. love to hear that discussion well th tip pools allows you to activate that you can set up a tip pool you can create it anybody can create it anybody can start it and, and just let the virality of the internet take a hold and say hey guys if we want to see this chip in five dollars chip in whatever and if it and if it reaches this goal people get to see it and the beauty is you know fans aren't charged until the creator accepts the challenge and does it and then, you know, only the people who, you know, put money into the challenge, you know, or the dare gets to see it. So, you know, so they only wow, they get to man, see that. That's, that's so, nice, man. So, yeah, it's like it's like the ultimate pay-per-view, but it's not these people up here telling you what you want to see on pay-per-view. We want to see this fight. We want to see this. No, no, it's the fans saying, nah, we don't want to see that. We've Straight been wanting to see Tyson versus this guy. We, we've been wanting to see Floyd versus this guy. We don't. We don't we don't want to see what you guys are saying. We want to see this and we're putting money behind it. That's the power of tip pools. It's the community. You know, it's the fans driving what they want to see and dictating the terms of it. And the and the and the fun part about it is that it's you know, it goes it doesn't have to be mega celebrities, right? We see we're seeing tip pool gain traction of a of a you know, kind of a micro level TikToker who's a BMX biker and you know, they want people want to see him, you know, do, do a tutorial of his tricks. Right. How many I mean, how applicable is this to all TikTokers, right? Or to, to all people on social media. So we really see the value, you know, and particularly with Gen Z 
just using it as a tool on social media to, to one, the creator has a tool. Now, now you have a separate revenue stream, right? Like you say, yeah. man, I, I want my rent paid this week. It's been a tough month, you know, 2000, I need 2000 to pay this rent. All right, let me see what I, let me, let me, let me curate. Let me look through my fans messages under my post and see if anybody's asking, if they're asking me for anything. Let me, let me, let me create a tip pool for myself or let me, you know, think about what my fans may want to see and create it and let me promote it, promote the tip pool. So it works both ways. You know, the fans can dictate it or the creator can curate it themselves based on input that they've gotten from their fans. And so we, we, we don't see this in the same way in market. Like we're, we're like first to market with this concept. And, and we're definitely going to do it better than anybody else because no one else is really thinking about the streets of it, like the culture, black culture, and, and how much it's already curated on Shade Room and, and all these blog sites. Yeah. Like people, we, you, you know what the culture wants to see. Like you can think of yeah. 10 things like right now. You mean, for how, how long did we get people like yell and scream? I would, we would love to see Jordan versus LeBron. Like if there was, right. if there was $5 million in the pot that could maybe say go to charity, right? Maybe go to charity and, and then LeBron and them like, well, it's a charity opportunity. Maybe we'll give them this, you know, a 10 minute little quick between me and Mike. Yeah. You know, like, so it's just so many I think the only way we're going to get those two kind of go head to head is on the poker table, you know, play a blackjack hey, or something, you know. <laughs> hey, even, even, even then, right? Like, that, that we, would we be pretty cool, that. though. A one on one yeah. conversation with Jordan and LeBron while they playing poker. Like, that would, that be, would be that would be good. good, right? Right, and see and see the thing the thing about it is what the value that we see in this is Jordan LeBron could do this conversation, but it would be you know it would be some huge company that's organizing yeah. it and they, they this media company and they, the media companies want to make the most money from. It. What if Jordan LeBron said we don't want to give it to the media companies? We want all the money. We want we at least we we want to keep, and we're going to do this on tip pools ourselves. And we're going to keep 90% of it because our, our payout, everybody keeps 90% on our platform for the most part. So, okay. Yeah. You know, so they keep 90%. So you're just alleviating the middleman. So, yeah. yeah so let's just, just, I mean, you could think about how, I mean, just think, just think of Floyd Mayweather had all of his fights on tip pools. And, and, and you know what people are paying because people prepay for it. So you're not waiting for how much after to see how many people tuned in for pay-per-view. You no, already no, know no. going in, these people have already paid for it. Oh, and there probably be other people who didn't pay for it at first, but 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 now they know this tip pool is there. So they're going to come back in and pay on it after it's done. Absolutely. Right? You keep all the money. You, you, you take the middleman, you take the media middleman out of it. It's, it's, it's just so unique in that fashion. So we really see this is the unicorn this is the next direction that social media content creation is going to go this is revolutionary. so i got so i got i got this information from you guys before i mean we've had a couple meetings and you know every time i hear it man it's just it it makes so much sense and you're putting the content in the people's hands like you said you know you put it you're putting it in the people's hands and you're allowing the people to say listen this is what we want and we'll pay for it right now and then they calling their friends, yo, hey, you remember when we talked about this and this? Yo, we have an opportunity to make this thing happen. Let's go over to tip pools and get it done. Next thing you know, you approach these people, their reps, and you say, listen, we got a bag over here for you. <laughs> what what y'all trying to do? There it is. 
Right, right. Yeah. That bag yeah. waiting for some, I mean, you know, all creators are, you know, some folks are mega celebs. They don't need that bag. But there's a lot of people who have a million followers on TikTok across all their social media or two million that aren't that, that they need it. They need a 50, 25, yeah. 50K bag. Because they're they not really monetizing it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So not everybody, you know, I think we have this kind of, sometimes this idea that all social media influencers, they get to a level, they're making all this money. They're, it's really not that way. It's a, it's a few that are making a lot of money. The rest are kind of doing decently, doing well, but because for the most part, not many are directly monetized, right? Yeah. You know, not, not many, you know, mainstream content creators are directly monetized. Once yeah. that gets to full saturation, Tip Snaps is going to continue to grow. And Tip Pools is just so revolutionary. That's just going to take off on its own. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's, I mean, the concept, man, and, you know, again, man, like, every time I hear it, it's just like, man, these guys, they don't, they, they got something going, man. But let me, let me, uh, so, guys, I you know, I don't want to keep you guys all day. Um, so, we, we're approaching the end of the interview, and I have a couple more questions for you guys in regards to tip snaps, like, um, and it, it I want to ask you guys this. So, you know, not to play the race car, per se. But is it hard for you guys to not even feel comfortable, but do you feel like it's hard for you guys to really be respected in this industry because you're completely black owned and, you know, there's a there's a strong black influence in the DNA of the company. Do you feel like it's difficult for you guys to really like get your your respect in this this kind of new industry you're in? I mean, I know you guys have gotten some blood, sweat, and tears in it, but, you know, you're relatively new. Do you feel like it's, it's difficult to, to get that respect that you guys deserve in the, in the industry? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first real quick and then Vic could go, but um, yeah, man, it's, it's uh, I, what I would compare it to is like Negro Leagues, except ah, gotcha. Except worse, because you know, like somebody could just kind of watch Jackie Robinson play, like almost anybody could just kind of watch him play and be like, that guy's really good. Right. And when you remove the racism, then it's like, well, this guy's really good with business and with tech startups. It's just not as obvious, right? It's like, there's no way to display it unless you're kind of in that world to the general public. Right. So like when we, when we tell our, when we tell our users that we're competing with Patreon, who's raised, $475 million who have 500 employees in offices around the globe. And when you use Patreon and you use tip snaps and they're comparable, it doesn't always connect to be like, Whoa, how did you guys build something that supports the exact same service that another company needed half a billion dollars to do? How did you guys do that? That's not a question that everybody thinks they're just like, Oh, cool. You're competing with Patreon. It's like, no, 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 no. Well, listen, listen. 400, almost almost half a billion dollars went into this company. And that's, and so when you look at the tech ecosystem, when you look at all the unicorns, and the unicorn is defined as any company that has a valuation over a billion dollars, there's probably okay. like three or four that are black owned. And there's like thousands of companies. Um, I don't even know if it's three or four. There's, 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 there's a few, and there's some ones of note, like Calendly. Uh, um, it's an amazing story, amazing company. 
but there's there's not many and typically the and so when people like how does it get to a billion dollar valuation what does that even mean well all it is is the there's a lot of institutional investor types but the ones that typically invest in startups are venture capitalists venture capitalists for, like there's a lot of people who will say they're they're venture capitalists but like the actual like uh 600 billion dollars that was invested in 2021 half of it came from like 15 company or 15 firms there's like fifth, the top 15 there's Andreessen Horowitz there's Sequoia there's Tiger Global there's SoftBank so like these institutional funders who are looking to deploy they say this is how they say it deploy capital like just you're deploying capital you want to get it out you have to yeah. spend you have to spend this year they have to spend a hundred billion dollars they have to invest that much what like okay not a hundred billion but but Andreessen for example has like a 50 to 60 billion dollar uh, fund they raise a fund every year from people they call LPs or GPs limited partners or general partners these people are just old money all the money that's always existed since whatever since since slavery since forever a lot of that money just gets cycled through families and the way they kind of stay rich because they are not the ones innovating anymore they're not the the bill gates or the steve jobs right they're not the jeff bezos but they're like i want a piece of that help me stay let me stay in with you so you're i'm going to invest through venture capitalists and then venture capitalists what they or these funds what they do is say well how do we stay on top well we think we're just going to hire the smartest people to dictate what to invest in. And the way they see that is like, well, let's just get Ivy League people. So like 80% or 90% of venture capitalists, they all went to Ivy League schools and, and it typically Stanford, Harvard. And typically it's not, and, and, and it's not black kids either, right? Like, like okay. there's a few of us that kind of get through that. So my point is, is it's kind of this vicious um, system of billions of dollars that get to dictate what the new huge companies are going to be it's not by accident every single i love, love to say this to people every single app on your phone has millions if not billions of dollars put behind it it's not there by accident it's not just by chance a couple of smart kids built the best app even even when you see it like snapchat early on you're like oh yeah some smart kids from whatever santa you see santa barbara whatever they're from it's like no dude they got a hundred million dollars like within their first 18 months of existence so the scale of it, yeah, the, the first, and so what's frustrating, so to bring it back to us, back in 2018, when when I bootstrapped by myself, like literally in this room, I went to a couple VCs because they wanted to hear my story because I told them I had 100,000 registered users. That's, again, that's not normal. They're like, okay, tell us this story. And I'm telling them the story and they're like, and so what happens, it's almost like they saw a white running back or they saw a black golf player. They just couldn't listen to me. They couldn't listen to me. They're just like, they're like, what is, what do you mean? Like, they're like, this sounds like influencer marketing. It's like, nah, man, that's not, this isn't influencer marketing. This is influencers charging their fans for content. So back in 2018, if we would have got funded equitably by equitably at a seed round, it's like two to $5 million. Like you should have got that. Like we absolutely should have got that. If we would have got that, we definitely would have been uh, we probably would have been valued at like three, 300 million to like even a billion. We should, probably would have been a unicorn. So what's happening now, again, is tip pools. You immediately are like, whoa, every single person we tell, it's not, the idea is, is awesome, right? It's not about just the idea. It's about the execution. That's a difference. Like there's a lot of people who have a lot to say and a lot of ideas, but we built it and we have users. 
So now we need funds to scale it, to get it out to the masses. And a lot of that is just, a lot of that's just money to paid ads, yeah. hiring influencers to help us get it going. And nobody's doing this. We're first to market. And every, every user we talk to, every like, you know, person who uses social media, like, holy shit. And a lot of the VCs are like, whoa, that's a cool idea. But they don't trust us as founders to be the executors. They'd rather invest. They'd rather, sometimes they'll literally take, the, they'll take your deck, your pitch deck, and they'll give it to, to somebody they know to go build it, which we always have yeah. to be concerned about. But other times they'll just be like, huh, we'll just wait and see. And they'd rather almost like invest in somebody three years later because they kind of trust them because they're more of a traditional founder. And by traditional founder, there's ageism, there's definitely racism, and um, there's networkism, meaning like you're Ivy League, you're part of these kind of circles in Silicon Valley, New York City. But, but you know, if you're just kind of, if you're not in those circles, it's harder. It's not impossible, it's just harder. At the same time, what gives us the kind of strength and kind of the, the, the energy to keep going is number one, we want to prove them all wrong. Not just for them, but for us, because we know that the same way we, like us as a people, we change music, we change sports, we change fashion, we change food, anything you put in front of us, we change. We are going to change tech. We just need to be the ones who dictate what the tech does. And our tech's going to be cool as shit. So that's what gives us the strength and the power and the energy. And the community's coming back, right? The users come. That like it, 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 That's why we have half a million registered users. So, you know, it would have been a lot easier if they would have just, because they fund people at a, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, it, and typically, you don't, here's the other thing. They don't build anything. They don't have any users. They just have a pitch deck with like the idea. That's typically when right. they get two to five million. We have users a full product, a ton of data that kind of shows this is working, the flywheel's working, and they're still skeptical, kind of like, hmm. Meanwhile, let me go fund this guy who, who has a blog. So we're living in the twilight zone. We're living in the twilight zone as black founders, and many of us are. It's not just me and Vic. It's 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 thousands of us. So there's a lot of good people fighting, though, to, to try and shift. It's not like this is news. Like, there's, there's hundreds of people fighting. There's some really good people on Twitter just fighting. There's funds that are fighting, but the funds are like this fund, like the funds, the black funds are like 20 million for the year versus 20 billion, right? So it's kind of like they can only put their 20 million so far. So I digress. I know I said a lot. I know you want to wrap it up, but yeah, we're, we're pretty. But I mean, the, the, but the thing is, man, the reason why I have this platform is not only to, you know, hear stories and have people tell their stories, but to also get the real out there, man. Like this is a reality for you guys. So. That's why, you know, I'm I'm giving you the, the air. You guys can, you know, just lay it out because this is a real thing. And that's why I asked it, uh, asked that question, because, uh, I mean, let's let's be real. It's a bunch of isms out here. And when you're getting into the space that you're getting into. The isms play a big role in execution, because at the end of the day, it's execution. This, this is what you guys keep talking about. Right. It's, it's, it's one thing to have. An idea that you have to execute, and it's hard to execute when the isms are coming and blocking all your shots, man. Like you know, I'm I'm shooting it from half court, like Steph Curry, baby. It's going in. Stop blocking me, baby. <laughs> Stop blocking me. You know, so you know, and and this is where we're going now. Um, on 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 my show, 
I like to not only hear stories, but I like to also manifest these beautiful things in our lives. And I, I'm a true believer in manifestation, you know, so, you know, you get this idea, you, 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 you have goals and you have these desires. I feel like it's important to put it out there so you can always make reference when you actually accomplish what you set out to accomplish. So we're going to move into the manifestation part of the episode, which is, you know, towards the end. And I want to ask you guys individually, and then of course you can come together, but what is the perfect scenario for you guys uh, personally, professionally, or both if you want? All right, so uh, Vic, you 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 can kick us off. Um, I'll just start. I'll, I'll start by saying what 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 what, the, what is what we would want for tip snaps because I think that's really most important thing. Um, you know, I think for us, we just want to be able to compete, right? We just want to be able to um, to be considered with our peers in the space, in consumer tech space, in the tech space in general. To be considered with our peers, be given equitable funding that our counterparts with less are given to, to kind of compete. We're not asking for, you know, anything. We just want to be able to compete. And and if we're and if we're given the opportunity truly, and by given the opportunity, I mean I mean we're, if we're giving investment dollars, some some substantial investment dollars comparable to our peers, I see us growing exponentially because we'll be able to have conversations that we currently can't have, be able to get in some rooms that we typically can't get into, and we'll be able to, um, you know, build, continue to build our product to support the community in a way that that our community can continue to enjoy using using tip snaps. Um, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of things there. It's a lot at play, and especially operating like a business like this, there's a lot of things that you need to do and need to do very well. And we know we're confident that we can do it. It's it's because we've done it. But to to drive it home, you know, we're just you know, like you said, we're man, manifesting. We're manifesting that this is going to happen. And and I and, and making the making the point that you know, for me personally, I think one of the um, the reason why I'm so successful and I've been successful in life <clears throat> isn't because again that I'm smarter or more talented than most people. Excuse me. It's because I persevere. It's yeah. purely because I don't quit. I just keep going. <clears throat> you can hit me with a stick. You can hit me with a bat. And you can knock me down. However that looks, I'm going to get right back up. I'm going to keep jogging. I'm going to keep running. I'm going to keep pushing. Um, that's been my story. That's been Lionel's story. We don't stop. <clears throat> so yeah. knowing my background, knowing my track record of what happens when you just kind of keep going and pushing through adversity, I know where we're going to end up. I know where we're going to be ultimately. You know, we're going to be very successful. And we are very successful, but <clears throat> successful meaning we're able to have a platform that's moving, that people are using, that people are excited about, and that we're building something that, that our community and, and globally that everyone feels good about. Like, this is the place I want to be. This is, a, this, is, this is where I want to spend my time today. This is where I want to spend my social media time today. I want to be on this platform. Um, because they've built on this platform a community of diverse creatives that are sharing and they're sharing their creativity. And that's where I want to be. 
And so we know that if we keep persevering and we keep pushing, that's going to happen. We No doubt about it. And one yeah. way or the other. And I don't know how it's going to work. It could be a lot of different ways that that, that happens, but I know it's going to happen. I'm confident about it. Yes, sir. All right. It's on you, Lionel. Like what, what, what's, what's the yeah. big scenario? Yeah, I think uh, Vic, Vic has echoed a lot of how I feel. I mean, everything I'd co-sign on for sure. But I think what I'd add is, um, you know, you know, I think the ecosystem that we're all kind of living in, in terms of like business, uh, private equity, venture capital, you know, investment kind of channels that are happening around the globe that typically, you know, black and brown people just aren't taking part of. It's not, it's not a lack of intelligence. It's a lack of access and a lack of just, just access, understanding that that's, this is happening. So I think for me, in terms of manifestation, I want tip snaps to be just one contributor to a broader uh, vision that because economics is, it starts, it's kind of, it's, it's like at the, it's at the baseline of, of, of before it's below, like in terms of equity, economics is kind of props that up. Yep. Right. Like right. Right. we could always say we, we want equity. Um, and that it's not just for black people, it's for any person could ask for equity, but if the economics don't align, then you truly don't have it. Right. And, yeah. and I, I'm not just saying money. I'm talking about just resources and, resources and even like, create. exactly. So, um, and we have it, we have it internally and we have the capacity to kind of take it back because a lot of it's just taken from us kind of beneath our noses. And so with this, with tip snaps, with tech, you know, for example, there's, uh, there's an awesome company called Scoop that was founded like a year or two after Uber. Right. And it's a black, okay. black, black owned company. And, yep. you know, you just think about how many uh, black and brown people in, in Brooklyn, in the Bronx, in Manhattan and anywhere would would be a scoop driver. Right. And let those kind of those fees, by the way, which are better, they have a better rate on scoop. Mm -hmm. But the fees go back into a black tech company who would in turn hire more black tech workers who and it, tri okay. it all trickles down. Right. So like. Yep. The, the kind of vision of a lot of people, you know, in ter terms of supporting black businesses, buying black, but it's not just black, it's brown too, right? Like, like why is every single landscaper, a, you know, a Mexican person or a Spanish person, like, like it's yep. going to change over time, right? It's just, this yep. is what they feel like they can only do right now, but their kids don't have to do that. And, and again, exactly. it's, it's, it's not that it's not on just race and this, it's about, it's truly about equity. And so we just feel like if tip snaps could kind of help um, as one company, number one, you know, number one, help creators, right? Cause that's, that's to us is a no brainer. Like creators take your power back. YouTube just did like, <laughs> like $70 billion in revenue this year, or they're going to do that this year. Right. They're selling ads on top of your content. That's great. That's where everybody is right now. They're on YouTube, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, but you're not getting paid. So drive your fans behind your paywall. Keep your fans there. Keep uploading content there to keep them engaged. Keep commenting, having chats with them. Do your thing on those platforms, but make sure you're trying to drive them behind your paywall. 
because there's a reason why these companies exist and it's to make money. So take your power back and make money on a platform. If you're not going to use tip snaps, use something, but, but we prefer you to use tip snaps. Um, and again, just in terms of how does this work? When you make it, when you make $10, you get $9, you get 90% payout. I'm we like keep 10%. Point. Yes, <laughs> we keep Yeah. We never said that. That's very important. We keep 10% only for these reasons. Number one, Visa, MasterCard, they, they tax us all. They take 5% from that 10. The remaining 5%, that's just how it works. It sucks, but that's how it works. Um, until we move to crypto, that's the reality. Um, the, the remaining 5%, that's what we operate on. And that's not, you know, so you make 10 bucks, you make 100 bucks, you get $90. And we ultimately are working with five bucks to keep the lights on, to do the hosting, to do all the software engineering, to keep the platform going. Um, you know, there's a, a ton that goes into this. So mm -hmm. all I'm saying is if you make content, if you're a creator, hundred percent, please start directly monetizing. Meaning you got a 10 minute YouTube video, cut that bad boy to two minutes for YouTube. The full 10 minute goes behind tip snaps. You got to tease people to go subscribe, right? That, you're not going to lose fans. Yep. You see them doing it. So, so that's number one for us. And number two, if we could start to be that kind of change in the tech ecosystem to kind of represent for founders of color uh, so that we could go higher the 22 year old versions of Vic and myself, instead of Vic having to go figure it out and go apply to Sears after he has a PhD, right? Like, like that's, that's just yeah. not, that's access. That's not, that's just access. And again, we're not talking down on Sears or any, I worked at Sears too. I worked at Walmart. I pushed carts. We're just saying, if you go and get a PhD, why did you get a PhD? Not to go sell clothing. You didn't have Sears. to get a PhD to, you know, to work at Walmart or Sears, you know, <laughs> like exactly. So you know, it, it, it's access, and it's it's a travesty that he didn't have the access right out of college. It's travesty. Yeah. It's just it's not right. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I'm man. Like I said, I don't want to keep you guys all day, but I'm just so thankful that we could talk to this access. about all day. So yeah, we, we're we, sorry we for keeping you all day. Have, it's our fault. Yeah. <laughs> Man, no, it's it's cool because I, you know, I could go deeper, you know, with the tip, the tip snap stuff, especially from the 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 side of it behind the curtain, because I know, you know, just trying to create something, trying to create some, you know, just some stability and some consistency. It's difficult, especially when there's some outside stuff happening out of your control you seeing this happen in front of your face so yeah i i mean i could yeah we could sit here for you know another hour man but guys like i'm 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 very thankful that i get to have this conversation with you because you know not only is it informative and not only have you guys you know taken a risk on yourselves but it's also access for me so i get to have access to you know create a found you know two founders of a company that has know 500,000 uh subscribers you know I, I get to talk to you guys and hear your story and you know just kind of share some little anecdotes man it's it's I'm, I'm thankful that you guys you know have taken out some time and you know you're coming on the platform man so thank you oh man thank you for having us man we enjoyed the conversation you know and we don't need to we don't need to we don't need the podcast to, to, for us to stay in touch and keep Keep, keep connected, man. We want, we're definitely going to follow, um, you know, because this is amazing work that you're doing. You're asking great questions. Um, and, um, you know, we wish you much success, man. Yes. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. So, guys, listen, usually when I end the show, I like to drop a little jewel uh, for the people. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, we just sat down with Big Bodie and Lionel Duje. Did I say it right? Perfect. Perfect. Yes. All right. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. So, we just sat down with the founders of Tip Snaps. So, all of my content creators, I mean, listen, we just, hey, we just provided you the, the, the bag right here. This is how you get paid. Sign up with Tip Snaps for all of my for all of my creators out there, all of my future creators. Tip Snaps is the way to go. Ladies and gentlemen, you know how we do when we get up out of here. When we end the episode, you know how we do. I have to drop that jewel. Ladies and gentlemen, it costs nothing to be good to someone. So be good to someone today. I'm Rob Fields there with Tip Snaps. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. 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 Thank you.